Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast contains explicit language. I want to tell you my secret now. I see dead people. Silent breathe is people! She's my sister and my daughter! What's in the box? And like that, he's gone. Hi, and welcome to another Slate spoiler special. I'm Willa Paskin, Slate's TV critic, and this week we're going to be spoiling the Steven Soderbergh series, TV show, phone app, something or other, Mosaic. Um, Here to talk with me about it is tech and culture writer Ingu Kang. Hi, Ingu. Hi. Um, so I guess most simply Mosaic is an extremely chilly murder mystery, um, that I think is really more of a technical exercise or a technical exploration rather than it is a satisfying bit of storytelling. But, um, I guess that means everything that I think is really interesting about it almost has nothing to do with its substance and a ton to do with its form, but I don't want to just totally shortchange its substance. So, Ingo. Can you tell me a little bit about the form and then also the plot of Mosaic? <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much everything you need to know, I feel like, is in the title. It's a very fractured uh, Utah noir mystery. And basically, the way that Steven Soderbergh envisioned it is that it would be a kind of take on choose your own adventure. So Mosaic started as an app on iPhone and iPads. And essentially, it was looking at this mystery, but choosing the parts of it that you wanted to see. And so you sort of are presented with like, choice A or choice B after you finish each like 30 minute ish discrete chapter. So some of the episodes were actually about eight minutes and then the other ones were as long as like close to an hour. But essentially with the app, which came out several months ago, you basically got to pick which parts of the story you wanted to see and then what you chose wouldn't necessarily change the ending of the story. But apparently... Soderbergh and his writer Ed Solomon and the vision this was that whichever path you chose it wouldn't change the resolution of the story but you would get like a different path to the end uh, from the beginning so the story starts off with the murder of a children's book author played by Sharon Stone who basically had like a one-hit wonder 40 years ago And now she lives in this, like, really beautiful Utah retreat. And it so happens that that Utah retreat has, I don't know, one of some precious mineral. Beryllium. It has beryllium. Beryllium. Uh, Which is a beautiful name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I mean, the thing I I would say, I would say the 
thing to know about um, the app versus the TV show is that it's a little bit bogus because it's not it doesn't really matter whether you watch the TV show or as an app. I found like it does have the thing where the story's bifurcating in the app. But as with a real choose your adventure, which when I was a kid, you know, you'd read ahead to like see if, if you died or like were in quicksand and then you'd pick the other path. Like I was doing that the whole time. So I was sort of getting both the whole way through. And then it's it's structured a little bit differently in the show. But you basically get the gist, which is it opens with Sharon Stone um well, the show actually opens sort of in, in media res with one of the people who may or may not have killed her. Um, but you you quickly learn Sharon Stone's backstory. It's like four years before the most of the events of the show. She falls in love with this younger con man who seems to really have fallen in love with her named um, Eric Neal. It's revealed that he's really been set up with her. Like He tells her that he's been sort of set up with her to try to get her to sell her property. She's very furious. Um and then something happens, like we sort of cut out at that point, and she's dead. And so Eric is sent to jail for her murder. But four years later, um, his sister is not is sort of convinced finally of his innocence, and she goes back to this town of Summit to sort of um, figure out what has happened. Um, she suspects that Olivia's boarder, Joel, who's played by Garrett Hedlund, and we've seen a lot of already in in sort of in the past. Um, as well, who she sort of also had a flirtation. She thinks it's him. She lures him back to Summit, where she sort of, with the help of this chief of police now named Nate, basically um, gets him to confess to the murder, ultimately, even as we know, basically, that he didn't actually do it. He just doesn't have any memory of what happened. And this character who's been lurking in the background, Ziggy on the wire. And so it's like very, uh, very obvious procedural casting, where like the person who's a little too famous to have no part at all is actually the murderer. (laughs) Um, turns out to be the murderer, but in sort of, and I think actually in a funny way, the thing is very sort of plausibly, or not plausibly, satisfyingly plotted, but like they just don't care about emotions. Um, yeah. Basically, Joel confesses to the murder and so is jailed. Eric is freed, but we know watching that actually Joel didn't commit the murder and that, that this younger man, Michael O'Connor, who's sort of been a surrogate son to the Olivia character played by James Ransom, Ziggy, um, actually is the person who murdered her. And in the app, you actually even have a 20-minute episode that shows in detail how and what happened that they um, do not have in the TV show, but we sort of still know what happened. Um, so it's like, you know, it's one of, it's 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 cleverly plotted in the sense that we in the audience have a resolution, but like in the world of the show, justice is not served. Some injustice is essentially served in the rich and their art collection Um there's a lot of art in this show, which is another thing I want to talk about, uh, you know, get away with bad things. I guess what I, I wanted to ask you is, was there like, other than the format, other like anything you found interesting about this? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I am interested in Soderbergh. Like, I'm interested in what he's up to because, you know, this is not true of everything that he does, but watching this show um which is so clean and so cold and very beautiful very snowy but really not lived in like it sort of has the feel of um you know on mtv cribs like so many of these people's (laughs) houses you'd be like do you live here or did you just have like an interior decorator go to like the fanciest version of home depot she could and he or he could and outfit your house and like you don't care about anything that's in here. It's just full of weird stuff and kind of empty. Like that was sort of the, 
um, the decor of Mosaic, like really hmm. well-designed hotel. And, and there's just something about that whole thing where he's really interested in what it looks like. But he doesn't care in this instance about the characters. And I mean, that's sort of been true of some of his pro- like, you know, it's true about side effects, for example, or um, about Haywire. Like he's interested in some technical component of the of the project, but he's not interested in some holistic way like it. He has something he's fascinated by. So I think in this he was sort of fascinated by this idea of like, can I make this also into a, a like a something that you watch on your phone? Like that's interesting to me how to break this story up and, and what kind of direction would look good for that. But I don't think he's at any point super interested in um the people. And it actually reminded me a lot of the girlfriend experience, which the TV show, which is on stars, which he doesn't direct but he's obviously a producer of and i think is very good because it sort of makes a lot out of this sort of chilliness like having a show that's about about sex and the commodification of sex that has this sort of distance between um you and what's happening is is a kind of interesting that's an interesting pairing and this is not that interesting a pairing so it's just like you have this sort of distance but it's a story you feel like you you really are supposed to want you, you they want you should you should care about and i mean mysteries are so powerful that I kind of did want to know what happened. And I also thought Sharon Stone was sort of so like virile and wild that she, she I kind of cared about yeah. her. But the show is like, you know, it's a choose your own adventure. It's like this, it's this uh, fragmenting points of view where like every choice they give you the more boring person to follow. So like by the end <laughs> of the show, you're just like with a bunch of really boring people. You know what I mean? It's interesting that you brought up the girlfriend experience. I've only seen the first season so far, but that's an amazing series. Um, I think because of that chilliness that you talk about, but this um, uneasiness with the commodification of sex is also something in Magic Mike, right? And it's something that I thought that didn't really occur to me uh, watching Mosaic, the app, several months ago. And that could and that I couldn't stop thinking about while watching Mosaic, the HBO series in 2018, was that basically you have with Sharon Stone and these younger men that she has around her, especially with Joel, the Garrett Hedlund, Hedlund character, who is a boarder, and the way that he becomes her boarder is this they is meet such up a party. good point, Ingo. I'm so excited. I know where you're going. Go, go, go. Oh. <laughs> um is that he's this aspiring sort of like comic book-ish artist. And uh, she, of course, has had this really great big hit and has all of these connections and all of this access to uh, millionaires, basically, who can give her any sort of money that she wants. Is that it's it's this like really interesting? Well, it starts off as a very interesting gender flip of the sort of like mentor mentee uh, sort of relationships that we've been hearing about in Hollywood and how those keep going awry because of abuse. And of course, in those uh, powerful man less powerful woman relationships, uh, you keep having you know very obvious instances of and this, abuse right and this is um obviously it ends differently because of the sort of because of other fundamental gender ro- role stuff but um this is a very explicitly or not explicitly but this is very it maps on very well to this which is to say that olivia mentors joel offers to mentor him offers to sort of have him stay at her house in the barn in a in a room in the barn for free 
because she thinks he's hot. Like, it's very explicit that she's flirting with him, that she thinks he's like a tall drink of water. Um, and she's interested in him. She has a crush on him. And so she's sort of interested in his work. And he thinks she's interested in his work. He has a girlfriend. He sort of knows they're flirting, but he thinks she can help him. And so he agrees to sort of, he, 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 he wants to be mentored by her. He moves into the house. And then this relationship turns totally sour because basically she realizes, she literally realizes he has a girlfriend, even though she's in love with, like has falling in love with someone else. She sees, she meets his girlfriend (laughs) and and immediately is disdainful and despises him and sort of is just like, treats him like garbage, asks him sort of like as a manservant. And then sort of at the climactic New Year's um, evening where she, is murdered like she pulls him aside to tell him that he's terrible that his his work isn't any good and the whole thing was about that she just had wanted to have sex with him and he's just and like he's gotta move on make it as an artist and he's never gonna make it as an artist like totally crushing like really manipulative mean total classic sort of, abusive possessive behavior totally and like totally gender reversed and then of course what happens is because and what's really when shows think about stuff, and this sort of some of this gender stuff Actually, this is a thing that would happen in Louis a lot, which um, is why Louis is still an interesting show, despite all the things that Louis C.K. did, is that um, there is still, even with this reverse, you cannot reverse, like, literally the physical power of men and women. And so it turns then into a story about her dying and Joel thinking that maybe he killed her because he was so angry. In this, and, and they immediately have flipped back into sort of more standard male-female roles just because of how much more physically powerful he is than her, even though she is sort of been the one who's manipulating him this entire time. That's the most, that's, I hadn't even thought about that. That's a super interesting thing about the show. That was great. I'm really so happy you brought that up. <laughs> Yay. Um, so the thing that like, that's sort of like the premise that we begin Mosaic with, right? And that Sharon Stone performance is, as you said, so wild. Viral is such an amazing word to use to describe her uh, performance with. And she has this like very unhinged quality that is like extremely sexy at the same time and she is just like in her element because she's also kind of basically cruising with her her gay best friend who is played by hello paul rubens and so watching her sort of like be in thrall of her own sexual power like after she dies you just like there's just like nothing in Mosaic that is anywhere near that interesting. <laughs> totally. You're like, you just killed your most interesting character. Like, can we at least have her in flashbacks or like as a ghost or something? But no, you can't have her. <laughs> and instead, what you get essentially is this character, Petra, who is Eric Neal's sister, who is played in like, I, I don't even like I would say like deadpan, but like I just mean like dead. <laughs> like she's just played so flatly by this actress named Jennifer Farron. And it's just, you know, Farron's performance as well as Hedlund's, although I think Garrett Hedlund, who plays Joel's, is a little better. And they're sort of the protagonists of the of the second half of, of the show um, are both really ec- flat and and. And Hedlund, actually, Joel's character even has a number of scenes where you hear his interior monologue. Like, um, he has a friend say, you know, I talked about you to the police. And and there's a scene where he's sitting in the car and he wants to confess something to the police. And you can hear in his mind him saying, like, Joel, just do this. Joel, stop doing that. Like, pull over to the side of the road. Or, you know, he's being – he's very worked up in his brain. And Hedlund's face literally – 
like it shows nothing. Like, I mean, it shows so <laughs> little of what is is going on in his mind at that time. And it's so interesting because those things are so stark that I almost am like, this must be a choice, like a choice for everybody that this guy is just supposed to be this stoic and and sort of this like mm-hmm. sort of well-meaning stoic. And it really just runs into like a thing about acting, which is like, I don't know if you, you know, you can't really be a perfect stoic and also be a good actor. Like we need to be able to see something in you. And, and so he's playing this extremely sort of like um, self-contained man. And so it's just very, and it's pretty dull. And Petra, who's my inner interior monologue, we know even less about is like even worse. I mean, she's sort of the most laughable line in the whole show is, is that, um, and it might just be because Paul Rubens is like joking around. Paul Rubens is also was obviously Pee Wee Herman and he plays, um, Olivia Sharon Stone's character's best friend named JC and he's like very flamboyant and sort of um, campy and he's sort of in the beginning and then he shows up at the end and sort of towards the end and he has a scene with Petra and what she says to her and he's not the first character to say it, but the way he delivered it you can just like tell he's like air quoting it where he's like I can't tell if you're I'm supposed to be like I can't tell if you're the most impressive person I've ever met or if you're crazy or something and it's like so <laughs> jarring and also so preposterous because nothing like everyone has been telling us that she's intense but she's like a a piece of cardboard or something and it yeah. just it just really was like it just i thought it was extremely funny and i wished he'd been in the whole show hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, and she, I do have a question about her, though, a plot question. Which Uh-oh. is, well, so so sort of towards the end, she, she figures out the mystery. She figures out that um, O'Connor, who the person who killed Olivia and his sort of um, his own mentor slash other rich guy who lives in Summit are really responsible for Olivia's murder. And um, she goes to the house, their house, to sort of talk to them about it. And uh, they ask, like, what she wants. And she says, I want the Red Room, which is um, not like a murder garreting, <laughs> but uh, a room that is full of, like, priceless artwork. Um, and she's, but we've been told she's uh, very interested in art. Um, and she's demonstrated that a number of times. And I was just curious, does she get it? I don't think that we know. She has like this, like very like pseudo intense scene where it's sort of like the detective figuring out everything and then lays it out for the audience. And that's all. Also, like, unfortunately for the actress, a scene that goes on forever, because as I said earlier, everything that you need to know about Mosaic isn't the title. It's so many details about so many different characters that, like, it's almost impossible to keep everything in your head. But it's interesting because I actually think for a murder mystery, it's not more details. It's just like they don't tell a murder mystery in the regular way, which is like to explore avenues and then have red herrings. Then you get to, like, get rid of it it's like they give you this information dump and you have to sort through it like all at once like they didn't because they don't actually care about the mystery really it's like care about their boring characters which is a kind of contradiction because they don't care about those characters either anyway i didn't mean to interrupt continue talking about petra's dull scene (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's basically this scene that goes on forever. I mean, I'm getting completely lost in the details. And then she turns to the guy who like did it or like his accomplice or whatever. Uh, she's talking to the, a man played by Michael Cyrus, um, who the character's name is Tom Davis. And basically, you know, she's been talking for like five minutes and he basically gets to the point of like, well, what do you want? And I think instead of her brother coming out of jail, she (laughs) says, I want your art. And then I think that's the end of the miniseries. Like you don't even find out what happens. And the thing is that like for most of after Sharon Stone's character dies, you basically have this like twin plot uh, where Joel's trying to figure out who did it and then thinks that, and then comes upon the realization that it was actually himself. And Petra, uh, who is basically like this like crazy amateur Reddit detective without the Reddit and bugs the police chief and like clues and sort of like pieces together all of the clues and comes to this like completely different conclusion about who did it. Um, it doesn't really matter which theory is true because they're both incredibly impactless. And so after she But one of them is out, true. One of them is true, which is that we know Joel didn't do it and that the other guy did. Yes. And at the same time, when we where we should get sort of like this like satisfying like restoration of justice you get nothing but i liked that see that's what i liked about it i I thought that that was well plotted i like that it's like we're gonna solve this case but you don't actually get to be satisfied that justice is simple like this is much more convenient for all of these people for joel to have done it there's these rich guys they're not gonna they're not going to pay the consequences. So we know the truth, but it doesn't matter. I, I like that sort of sour, cynical twist in any in any murder mystery. But I would just say that there's this this moment, just going back to the moment when Petra asked for the Red Room, and it's an interesting moment because, and we needed something from the actress, because she's doing something we don't expect, which is she's been single-mindedly, we've been told and seen, single-mindedly fixated on releasing her brother, who she's learned more and more unpleasant things about as she's been um, going about trying to free him and and he's her brother Eric who's uh the character Eric Muriel who's played by this um actor Frederick Weller and is like so intense it's pretty yes it's 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 actually funny how intense that guy is Um, (laughs) you know she's so single-mindedly focused on releasing him and she's finally you know basically she sort of has solved the case and has brought it to the attention of the people who did the deed and they're sort of savvy and gross enough that they're like, they get it. Like if she came to see Eric Davis and didn't go to the cops, it's because she wants something other than justice. So he's like, well, what do you want? She says, I want this art. And that's supposed to be a surprise to us. And then we're supposed to have some insight into her. But like, because it's so flat, we just don't know what it means. It's like, is she because she's betrayed by her brother? Is it because the whole time she just wanted the art? Is it because she's been sort of taken in by this like, by the acquisitiveness of this swanky world all around her. Like, what's going on? And and then she meets the, you know, he sort of considers this offer. She meets the actual murderer. I think there is a sort of a coda um, after that where someone comes to say they're writing a book about it. You know, there's some some minor details, but that's really the climax. But there's like a look that he gives her, that Eric gives her, where it's almost like he's like, okay, you can have that room. Like, we get it that you have it. And I just couldn't tell if she got it because that would also be kind of rad, even though it, it has, again, it has no, there's no feeling attached to that. I would again be like, that's a nice scripted detail that like Soderbergh didn't care about bringing out at all. 
There is also a scene where Petra looks at Art, and that was really bad. Because no <laughs> it was really bad because she, you're supposed to get like that shock and awe from her, this like crazy art lover being in this red room. It is like the Ferris Bueller scene where they're like going to the Art Institute of Chicago and they like stare at the painting. It's like she's looking at a Van Gogh, I think. And it reminded me of that. But like, it's so, so soulless because <laughs> you don't believe that she has a soul or that she cares. about art. <laughs> It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah. I would like to say that if there was like sort of like one thing I found very promising i guess it was that atmosphere the sociological setting i guess where you have this like very snowy very picturesque ski town and you have a lot of like very wealthy people and a lot of uh i don't know i guess like working class people who want to come in and either absorb some of that wealth or have to or sort of be forced to work um, in service of those rich people and sort of like the resentment that that breeds. So the relationship between uh, Joel and Olivia, I mean, when she invites him to live in her barn, basically, which is sort of like this like converted second house on her property, he thinks he's sort of getting this shortcut. And because it's like a very small town. We haven't talked about the uh, cop yet who is named Nate and is played by Devin Retray. And who's good. Yes. And he's good. basically... He's good. He, has, he seems like a real person. He When he investigates Joel, he turns to Joel and he says, well, you're my friend. And later uh, he says to Joel, you're my friend and you lied to me. And he also acknowledges very freely his friendship with a key witness uh, in the case of whether Joel did it or not. And the fact that, like, a small town chief can just sort of, like, go around and be very, like, chummy and bro with the lead uh, murder suspect <laughs> and be a key witness, I thought was, like, very telling, like, of the small town. And so there are, like, pieces here that I thought were really promising. Yeah, well, let's take it out, I guess, away from the actual substance of Mosaic, which is to say, I mean, what do you think about the prospect of a TV show that you watch on your phone, mostly? Like, did this make you think there should be more things like this, or that there might be a story that was better suited to being told like this? Or did you feel like this is just like a a funny, interesting experiment that doesn't need to be repeated. I, especially with like a really beautiful show like this, um, it's almost like it's like disservice to watch it on one's phone. But well, it, is sort of inter- like- it is an interesting thing that like it is Soderbergh and then you put it on a phone. So there's all these shots of um, like beautiful snow, but you can't really see them because it's on your phone. <laughs> 
in that way, it's yeah. a weird match of of director and subject. I mean, a, a director and form, even though I think he's interested in working in sort of all genres and all formats. But I definitely got the sense when I was watching the when I was watching Mosaic for the first time on an app that I was definitely I felt like I was like missing out on something because the storyline didn't quite make sense. And I followed mostly Petra's storyline uh, because you basically choose between Petra's storyline and uh, Joel's storyline as you're going uh, through the story and the app. And I, I mean, we've already discussed, like, she's a really bad character and, like, a weak actress. And I definitely felt like I was missing out on something interesting. And so to watch this and realize I actually didn't miss much. Um, <laughs> yeah, you isn't, know, it's funny. I don't know. I, I, I didn't watch it the way the app wanted me to watch it. I just sort of watched all the pieces. I was going back and forth. I was also sort of watching the show simultaneously. And I think this idea, this choose your adventure idea, which actually arrested development when it was first coming back to Netflix, they had sort of proposed that that's what they were going to be, a choose your own adventure show. And then obviously that became too preposterous and logistically difficult to do so they just turned it into the new first season for Netflix and and when Netflix was first starting to make shows there was a lot of conversation about like TV could look like anything maybe episodes will be of different length and maybe they'll be formally inventive and it's sort of in like in this sort of choose your own adventure way or something we hadn't even thought of yet um, and that has obviously not at all come to pass and I mean I guess it may come to pass at some point but um, I did like watching it on my phone and not because I always wanted to watch on my phone, but because um, I just have my phone with me all the time. Like I was sitting in the dark nursing my child and I was like, oh, great. I don't need to have my big computer here to do this. And then I can go downstairs and also watch it on my computer, which, of course, is like why people stream things on their phone. But it was actually the app I thought was easier to do that on than it is to sort of load up all the other stuff. And I did enough. I wrote about this, but I mean, just I'm ashamed this is true, but like I am a person who watches things with my phone in my hand, like doing other stuff sometimes. I certainly would have been doing other stuff while watching Mosaic, particular, you know, like sort of shows that don't really require your whole attention. And watching yeah. on my phone, I could not do that. Like I kept trying to be like, can I text somebody or like open Candy Crush? <laughs> and like, if you do that, the show stops playing. So in a weird way, it was like, it was almost like when you watch things with subtitles, when you really can't do anything else either, because if you aren't reading the screen, you literally don't know what's happening because people are talking in a language you don't understand. And that was sort of like mosaic. It like forced me to pay attention to it. And, and I sort of think there's room there for that, or just like maybe for companies just have like much better, uh, app so like it's just as seamless to watch on them as it is anywhere else but i'm not sure that this like thing with the different paths or like the gimmickiness of it is is gonna make them is is like makes it better than the tv experience i could just imagine sort of like having a nice experience like ha figuring out how to have tv shows in apps in some way that just made them super easy to load i will just also say that in the app there is like while you're watching um these little like you would get little notices basically that there was a supporting materials and you could like click on a link, uh, like a, not a link, like you'd click on it and it would play like another short related video or it'd send you to a PDF of um, something or like to a Wikipedia page about something that they were talking about. Like, and, and I, you know, this is sort of all the stuff wasn't in the TV show. And presumably if people were obsessed with mosaic, 
uh, it would be like Reddit bait, except it was totally remedial Reddit bait. Like it wasn't anything you really needed, but it was like thinking about those sort of things. And, and I could imagine that there is a show that with enough density and that people organically actually cared about that uh, could have sort of like those little extras and have people be interested like, in them. But I don't like know. Stranger if you Things, ne- I think, would have been like a really great example of a show that would have benefited from this. Because there's so much mystery around the monster and there's so much world building to be done. Whereas, I mean, as we've discussed, there's not really much of a world here. Right. And Stranger Things is also interesting because a choose your own adventure kind of thing is sort of, um, it's so of that same moment. Like it's the same yeah. type of thing. It's like a 80s kids thing. Yeah, someone. I mean, someone should try it with something like that or something where the stories are much more self-contained. Um, and maybe shorter and maybe have cliffhangers. Like I couldn't tell if like, because it's on your phone, if we want less action or more action, Mosaic made this choice that we only like really want conversations because I mean, maybe you can hear them on your phone, but I sort of wondered like, maybe we want something really exciting. I don't know. Anyway, I, I sort of think this is like one of those things where you'd think there could be more exploration of this question, but like there just won't be because it's not, it's not yet a good enough idea or the tech isn't quite good enough to make it a good idea yet. Does that make this is yeah, this is pulling back even further. But I guess um wait, can you hear the rain? Yeah. <laughs> is that the rain? Sorry. <laughs> it just got like really, really intense. Um <laughs> I guess the other question, as long as we're talking about choose your own adventure, which this technically isn't because there is only uh one bad guy in the end is uh do you want stories where you get to decide like what the ending is going to be in a certain sense or with like different like resolutions available to you well no one's done that yet but i actually would love that because i think we're like i don't want that always but i would love that as an experiment because i think we're as audiences like so slavishly devoted to the what the people making the show think should happen that I think mm-hmm. would be awesome to just be like, hey, guys, you might have to live with, like, uncertainty and multiple conclusions and, like, various resolutions and just, like, not one is better than the other. I mean, that's not I, – I don't want that in all my TV, but I, I could imagine a really satisfying – or not satisfying, like a really wonderfully irksome and um, <laughs> elbowy show that did that. So I would like to see that. But this one didn't, I mean, I think the question of whether like getting from point A to point B by a route you make yourself or a route they choose for you, like if it's, if there's a really anything um, beneficial to that or um, artistically interesting or um, substantive, I'm not sure. I mean, again, like this is just a hard show to know if that's true before it, because it sort of seems like such a weird mix, a weird match of sensibility and form. I would agree with that. I think we mosaic ourselves out. We don't have anything else. <laughs> yeah, you could watch Mosaic or you could just like watch the Sharon Stone parts of Mosaic and then you'd you'd be like content. And then it could be like a really sad little mini TV show where like the cool lady died and you just don't know why. And I mean, we told you why. So you don't even have to watch anymore. <laughs> Um, Okay, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the Slate Spoiler Special podcast feed. And if you like the show, please rate and review it in the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows we should spoil, or you have any other feedback you'd like to share, please send it to spoilers at slate.com. Our producer is Daniel Schrader. For Ingu, I'm Willa Paskin. Thanks for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.